All right, good afternoon. It is the top of the hour, and that means it is time for Two on One, a weekly talk show across numerous platforms where two theologians talk to a third theologian, or the one theologian, about the pop culture topic of their choosing, or at least their general oeuvre. Uh, I am the Reverend Arthur Stewart, one of your co-hosts. And I'm your other co-host, the Reverend Stephanie Kendall. And friends, we are culminating we are wrapping up the month of the boy who lived our easter kind of look at harry potter and the church and it has been quite the month arthur it really has been um i'm excited that we are closing out with ravenclaw i am excited that we are closing out having talked about all the houses i am so excited about our guest the indisputable charles anthony bryant that um i can barely wait to get through our marin opening and of course our one row promo so me too but but you know as i was getting ready today so we'll talk about what all the ways in which i got dressed and i am i am a i am so i am i've been waiting for this you know this is my house this is this is the stuff that i've got so i have ravenclaw robes turn of the century ravenclaw robes they're not the modern robes they're the they're the robes that let's say dumbledore would have worn as a student rather than uh, you know, the, the, the Harry Potter years that look really more like minister garb. Yeah. They do. And, and, you know, so that got me thinking as you're, you're putting on your robes and your things that like what we put on really does help posture ourselves for the work that we need to do. And you, uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, you know, I just bought a Jeff one row stole. I think we talked about it. Maybe you and I talked about it. I think I told our listeners. I don't think we've told our, our, our listeners and our viewers to look forward to it. But yes, but look forward to it, friends, because I was thinking, you know, what are as we think about what it means to reenter into worship in person, our my church is not doing that quite yet. But, you know, I want to make sure that I have um, a, a stole and like the accessories for my ministry that help center me in the work that I am called to do in the same way that I was like, oh, I have this Ravenclaw robe. I have, as you will see, oh, I, have too, I have too much hair is what I have. Uh, but I also have a head girl pin. Because you and, are the dork who would be head girl. Of course. And I have my wand friend. I've got my um, wand too. Look at us go. Um, and so, you know, as I was thinking about all the ways in which I, you know, was preparing for today and preparing for ministry, you know, we wanted to make sure that we, you all know that we are sponsored by Jeff Wonro Designs, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com. Uh, go to his, go to his website, look at his entire catalog of things. It's expansive. And every time I look at there's something more or I'm in a new season that I think, oh, that color palette's really cool and missing from my wardrobe and all the ways in which, I don't know. I'm a th- I'm an Enneagram three. We all know this. We know that I like to, you know, put on my fancy clothes and do the fancy dances, but I, it matters to me what I wear and what I present those are stoles and the things that we put on our bodies tell a story about the ministries that we seek to, to be a part of. And I think that what Jeff does is something really special in making sure that no matter who you are, what season of life, what season of ministry you are in, there is something that is there for you. And if not, it's customizable. Yeah. I The customization options, I really want to talk about this when you can show off your stole because yeah. I know you went for like all sorts of- uh, All the customization. And like, it's something that we can talk about. But I mean, I if I have an orange uh, stole because orange is my favorite color and it's the color- It's my favorite color too. It is? Uh-huh. How have we never orange. talked about that? We've been like- I don't know, but orange is our favorite. Orange is my very favorite color. Yeah. 
weird that we've never brought this up. I okay, know. But I have an orange stole because I love it. And it's yep. origami cranes. And I love it's it's there is there really is something for everybody. And if you're thinking it's time for me to do it, uh, people are getting ordained now. People are graduating from seminary uh, or divinity school or Bible college or what have you. It's a great time to buy a stole as a gift. You can go to jeffwonro.com, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W, and you can use the code two-on-one, all one word, all letters, uh, for 15% off your stole order. Not I used it. It works. Yeah. It's... I think it's buy seven, get one free. I think that's how the math lines up. So and we keep saying that, so we really should look into that. <laughs> I, well, no, I'm saying I think. I I, I, I sure. conjecture. I propose. Um, Absolutely. That's not actually the promotion. The promotion is incredibly generous. 15% off your entire, entire stole order. Uh, when you and it's the best uh, deal that's out there for Jeff Stoles. Uh, you, you know, I'm one that likes to, uh, I'm a Maxinista, as I call it. You know, love me some TJ Maxx. I love a good deal. And you can search, you know, you can Google like what are the, you know, what are codes for online, things like that. And you can find other codes that give you 10% off, 5% off, $5 off, things like that. But 15% off an entire stole order is the going best rate, uh, best deal out there for our listeners only. Uh, that's why it's two on one. Our, our, what do we call them? Deuces. Um, I started I started the hashtag. We are deuces. That's the, that's the official fandom, the two on one fandom hashtag. Oh, uh, so deuces use our code and check it out at jeffwonro.com. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready? Do we need to like magically make? Oh yeah. Yeah. Expecto, uh, our guestum. Okay. Expecto, Augustum. <laughs> Let's see if it works. It did. We are wizards. We are wizards. <laughs> we made you up here. Charles Anthony Bryant, welcome to Two on One. Welcome back to Two on One. We're glad to have you here. I am very happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Uh, we, friend, you know, we've been looking forward to this for a while. I've been outnumbered as the only Ravenclaw in really? the last couple of spaces. You know, like okay. we had Slytherin already. We've had our other houses. But this is this is our time to shine, friend. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is us. <laughs> Ravenclaw power. Team Ravenclaw. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a few things you may want to know as we come into our uh, space together, just because these are neat points that were brought up in previous episodes. And I worry that they're going to insinuate themselves not in worry but uh great we we've come to the conclusion that gryffindors uh have to ask to be in gryffindor house that's why they always stall the sorting hat um (laughs) slytherins are people who understand they're selfish and the healthy slytherins are trying to get past that um and hufflepuffs I forget what we said about Hufflepuffs, which is kind of par for the course for Hufflepuffs. And I'm really sorry, Hufflepuffs, for watching. They're wonderful. So it'll come back to me shortly. Yeah, no, again, the sorting hat in Gryffindor is that the sort my it's it comes from my theory that I do not believe that the sorting hat would instinctively sort anyone into Gryffindor. It's why you see like Hermione, who is clearly should have been sorted into Ravenclaw Mm -hmm. as a Gryffindor. Harry, who should have been Slytherin, even the sorting hat says that he should have been Slytherin, you know, would have gone there had you not had the courage, which is one of the core principles of being in uh, Gryffindor. You don't Mm -hmm. have the courage and the bravery to ask to be in that house. Hmm. So that's my theory. And I think I've successfully convinced all of our guests that this is the working theory for like the first test of bravery and courage for a Gryffindor is to ask to be sorted into that house. I agree with you, but I would I wouldn't call it a test of courage. It's very interesting. I I would see it as 
all of those who are going into Gryffindor are a bit flawed, but they're all flawed in different ways. And so there is this, hmm, yes, they have to ask, but, or, or, or they, but that asking comes from this deep place of worry and, and not, not just general fear, but this apprehension that I'm going to be someone that I can't control. We, I think about Harry's, Harry's dialogue with the sorting hat, right? And it's, oh, not, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Really? Really? And then, like, why would you even think that immediately? Why, why is that your first thought, that I don't want to do this? Well, okay, that, to me, that, that speaks to each member of Gryffindor being this flawed individual, as we all are, but this flawed individual that has to overcome all these different things. So that, I guess, lends itself, of course, to your theory. So I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah. I think it's Ravenclaw. It's just if their head's too big for the hat to fit on. Oh, and as somebody who identifies as a Raven limb, what do you call yourself, Spiff? It's Slitherclaw. Slitherclaw, because yeah, yeah Raven like whatever. Raven, is in Raven my I'm, I'm a Slytherin, but like I got some Ravenclaw stripes. Sure. I mean, well, we're all. I, I have a friend who says we're all a little bit Slytherin. And so I, you know, and I, I believe that everybody has that selfish streak. And I so think we're we all a little bit everything. I, I could make the point that I think we're all a little bit everything. It's just like, where is your primary? I mean, I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll agree. Except I, I, I don't identify with Hufflepuff. So I have this no. theory. Okay. I'm so glad you brought it up. Right. I've got to put out a house theory in this. So the four houses aligned to the four elements. Um, Hufflepuff is earth, Gryffindor is fire, Ravenclaw is air, and Slytherin is water. Slytherin and Ravenclaws, you're so much more likely to see people who say the Ravenclaw with some Slytherin or Slytherin with some Ravenclaw, case Mm -hmm. in point. You were able to see a lot more Huffledores or Gryffindors. Even though they won't call it that, but there is absolutely this kind of like grooving between it. And really, there's an intersection of Gryffindor and Ravenclaw sometimes. Okay. Um, but it lines up to the earth. So like uh, Ravenclaws are opposite Hufflepuffs and mm-hmm. therefore they don't work out well. And, and Gryffindor uh, Slytherins are so conflicted because of fire and water. Well, it as an sense, earth uh, sign, as an earth sign, I am deeply offended that Hufflepuff would be earth. Though. <laughs> like that. Like the traits don't follow. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Earth is very settled. Hufflepuff is flighty. All right. Well, before we get too far into all of this, because the three of us obviously can talk and do all of, all the things and all the and you know and go deep quickly. Charles, since the last time you have been on, what have you been up to? Who are you? Tell us a little bit about what's going on for you. Well, let's see. I. Mm, I've been in the house a lot, but less than I was previously. And so that's good. Um, gig life is picking. I am still working with church and working for churches and whatnot and making sure music programs are running and all of that. But because gig life is picking back up, I am able to perform again. I am, you know, a freshly vaccinated individual and I was very eager to get back out and perform. Um, a few weeks ago, I performed for the um, Cape May Jazz Festival. Um, and I have some other things coming up too. So this is going to be a good summer. This is going to be, it's still going to be a good year. It's still going to be a great year. And 2020 was not, it was bad, but it wasn't all that bad, you know, for everything that we endured, we're okay. You know, we're all right. And we are coming out of this. And so things are going okay. Things are going all right. I'm cool. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, we are grateful and thankful that you are back with us. Um, Can I tell you I'm that? very happy to be back. So like after after our first time together, I was like, I have to be this man's Facebook friend. And the first verses <laughs> where you, you, you did like this like ringside announcer oh. Oh, invitation. <laughs> I must have watched that about 30 times because I was just like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And it's okay, hard to explain so, it. I'm sorry, people who aren't friends with Charles, but you miss it. <laughs> so what happened with that was, um, so that was the Patti LaBelle Gladys Knight versus. Yes. And mm-hmm. in my mind, so I, I am a big Patti LaBelle fan. I, mm, I just, so oh, I can sing the whole catalog. It's, I love Patti LaBelle. So in my mind, they are, Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight are church mothers. And they are the mothers of this church of singers. And so I, I was like, okay, we need to do church announcements so that everybody just knows what to do and how to, how to, you know, we, we, we need articles of deportment for the evening. And so I, 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 we, we're going to establish order. And so I was house sitting for some friends of mine in Brooklyn. I was just, let me just sit here and do this. And so <laughs> that happened. And incidentally, it went viral. It, was, it, <laughs> so. it is just the most incredible thing. I'm gonna post it on our page. I'll I'll find the link Lord. to it. And I'm I'm sorry to bring it up. It's completely irreverent. No, to no, our no. Purposes, it's but. all good. It's all good. And uh, let me point out too, in the tradition of church announcements in the black church, the cadences are all there. And I I did it as if it it, it was a pastor going to the pulpit to give announcements, which some people love and some people hate. It's, you know, a mixed bag, but I was just doing it for comedic purposes. So if anybody takes offense, I'm sorry. Um, but it brought me joy. <laughs> brought Amen. me joy too. So thank you. Um, cool. Cool. Why are you a Ravenclaw? How did you find out? Um, well, I went to Pottermore. Mm-hmm. Pottermore.com, of course. Um, and so I did the, um, the sorting hat test or the sorting hat quiz, and they grouped me as Ravenclaw. And it tracks like it, you know, the whole learning and wit and wisdom and being creative and all of those things. The the the, the tenets of Ravenclaw. I really resonate with. And I mean, and, you know, as we spoke about previously, there are some other things, some some tenants of the other houses that I resonate with as well. But like all of Ravenclaw, I'm like all the way into all the way into um, even even down to the true mascot of the house, even down to the true symbol of the house. I am I am with it. And so I'm just like, OK, cool. And yeah, it's just it's my house. Did you always know, or like when you were, are you a book or a a movie person? And did I'm, I'm assuming as a Ravenclaw, you're a book person, but that might be a. um, So I I began with the movies. Sure. And I didn't mean, well, I just, it was, you know, there was this whole thing, um, you know, church child. It was the whole thing. Oh, it's witchcraft. We shouldn't see that. But when these movies were coming out. I, they started when I was in college. So I was just like, oh, well, let me just go see what this is about. Yeah. And once I started seeing what it was about, I was like, oh, let me start reading these books. And then, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And so, yeah. So I own a number of the books, but I am. Um, I'm still a fan of the movies and I, right. I'm, I'm a big nitpicker for the inconsistencies. Um, so you must and, love and, number six. It, well, <laughs> listen. Things, but the concerning our house, um, the house of Ravenclaw, the biggest inconsistency is that well, first of all, Ravenclaw is in the name, and all of the symbolism is you know, this raven 
that mm. keeps coming back. But the the house mascot is actually the eagle. And yeah. so there's that whole thing. <laughs> like in the books, it is the eagle. But in the movies, it begins as the eagle. And then you see this transformation kind of happen it almost immediately that, okay, they're just going to stick it with the Raven. And that makes sense because it's in the name, but it does not fall in line with the books. So, well, and I, my, so my, um, I'm in my, my Ravenclaw robes, mm-hmm. but so I bought the, the, again, the older robes, the robes that were from the, um, Oh, what are they called? The, uh, the Grindelwald series mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, because I liked, I just liked the robes better. Um, mm-hmm. But the mascot for old Griff, or Ravenclaw does have the Raven on it. Okay. Well, which I, okay. So which is both you, a forward and backwards kind of understanding of what's happening. Well, have you, okay. Have you noticed this? The crest of Hogwarts has mm-hmm. all of the symbols of the different houses, right? Yeah. But Okay. Zoom in there. And I don't know if this is old merch or new merch, but there should be an eagle there. I think it's an eagle. That looks there's like an eagle. eagle. There's an eagle on the Hogwarts crest, but then there's ravens on a lot of the other things. There's an eagle on my 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 uh, my little crest right here. But this is this is one of the many crests that I have. Yeah. So it's that. And then, you know, so real quick, just merch conversation. All of the merch. As, mo- as I had a costume change yeah. to go into my head girl. No, no. And the thing that I love about everything that you're wearing is your color scheme is right. The blue and the bronze is correct. Mm-hmm. Most people, I don't know why. Like Ravenclaw is is the house that they just kind of push to the back. Even, even in the writing. Like we don't get a lot of main characters or anything like that. But it's just like, okay, oh. we're there. We are supporting in a very behind the scenes way, but the battle is truly between Gryffindor and Slytherin, right? This is, this, these are the main people. It comes out like in, even in they're trying to sell things because blue and bronze are the colors yet blue and silver, silver. end up being right. And this is just a sweater that I had not, you know, did my I love it, and everything. Though. That's so cute. But thank you. I will be wearing this the rest of the day, by the way, this is, yeah, this is the outfit Same. of the day. Um, but why is that i would love some blue and bronze stuff just and but when you go to like places like etsy and this is very off topic places like etsy and things like that you can find more you know stuff so yes my my friend nicole uh made me a doctor who length blue and bronze scarf that i still wear and still i love it yeah i love it so let me ask a question if i could uh you two um so you mentioned learning wit and wisdom, which is mm-hmm. kind of perfect because I, so Ravenclaw house, I think does embody knowledge. I think it mm-hmm. does embody wit because Arthur Stewart is man's greatest treasure. Sorry. Wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure. And mm-hmm. um, yet, so knowledge and wisdom aren't the same thing. How does one learn wisdom? Ah, the okay. theological question. How does one engage wisdom? Well, anyone who desires wisdom should ask. That's what I read. I, I remember that being in, in the book somewhere. But um, wisdom is not something you can learn, nor is intelligence. Like the, these are things that are really gifts. Like you, you can and you can stretch the muscle 
of intelligence. Like you, you or, or you, you can, you can learn things. Like I, I have a friend who is an avid reader and I always say, I'm like, you're brilliant. You're just brilliant. And he, he will say, no, I read. Mm. I read a lot. I'm of average intelligence. It just happens that I read. And so learning comes about from that, but wisdom, you know, there are children I know who are very wise beyond their years. And we say beyond their years, but there is something there that is just innate. Um, I would not say that everyone in Ravenclaw or everyone that identifies as Ravenclaw is wise. I would say we value wisdom. Okay. I like that. But I will say that we do also value learning. And so in our valuing learning, we tend to be very knowledgeable people. And we tend to try to gain as much information as we can. But, you know, sometimes that information backfires and that does not always seem intelligent, you know, because <laughs> well, because learning and education in and of itself is a is a moving thing. Right. Yes. What, mm-hmm. One thing that we learn, you, know, you can learn one thing at one point in one time to the next like. And, you know, and, and, and it changes as we as we socially, you know, produce knowledge um, that we can kind of grow and meet with, like we should be learning and changing. And so, like, I'm with you there in that it, it's it's innate, but also some a muscle that a muscle that we need to stretch that it's yeah. because we can learn and relearn and new learn the yeah. same thing throughout and, un- and unlearn and unlearn. God almighty. <laughs> let's, let's bring unlearning to the fore. <laughs> All right. So yeah. what, what's it? So talking about, you know, us as Ravenclaws who, you know, value very much this, this journey of learning. Um, what is something that the church should work on and learn? And what is something that you wish that the church would unlearn? Mm. I wish, I wish the church would learn empathy. Mm. I've been, this is, this is something I've been saying for years, actually. So, um, I was in, um, holler if you, it was done on BET, um, some years ago, holler if you hear me black and gay in the church. And I said, the one thing the church is lacking is empathy. Um, I want the church to learn empathy. Empathy is something that can be learned. I have also seen empathy as a gift, but empathy is something that can be learned. Placing yourself where someone else is and moving as such can be learned. The church needs to learn that because there's so much judgment there. There, there are so many, (sighs) we so often do not exemplify the love of the Christ we say we serve. And the fact of the matter is most of us are not really Christians. We are not followers of Christ. We are really learners of the teachings of Paul more so. And, and this is, or rather not the teachings, but you know, the letters, we know the writ, but we don't really know the God of the writ. We, we don't move as we have learned this God to be unless we are moving in an old Testament fashion. And so I want us to learn empathy and love because they really go hand in hand. And I, I was about to speak a little bit about discernment, but I feel like I should back off of that for a second. But I want us to unlearn literalism. Mm. Yeah. I really, it bothers me 
<clears throat> I don't know who's going to watch this. So I may, you know, some invitations may be rescinded from me after I say this, you know, no. to sing places or whatever, but it's okay. God no. will make up the difference. No, um, wherever I am. So <laughs> I'm happy about that, <laughs> but I have heard often people who, and I'm, I'm not saying that it is necessary that people go to seminary. I'm not saying that it is necessary that people necessarily go to college. But I am saying that you do the work, right? You, you do the reading. You seek a knowledge that is above just the general words on the page. So if I am reading this scripture or if I'm reading the Bible, what else am I reading? Mm-hmm. Am I reading other people's writings on this book or am I just reading this book? And then if I am just reading this book and I have no outside context whatsoever, and I am saying that this is the word of God, then who am I to fully interpret this book and then teach that to other people? And I see that happening a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And I need us to unlearn that. I need us to learn proper context and subtext. And 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 let's look at the languages. Let's look at <clears throat> let's look at the fact that this was, you know, an oral tradition first. <laughs> let's let's look at these things and then let's look at our lives then in comparison to that. As opposed to just saying, oh, well, we're gonna take this and yeah, that's yeah, because no, we so started calling that. Oh, I'm sorry, Charles. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Well, no, we we started calling that the hermeneutic of curiosity um, mm. about mm. five or six weeks ago, and that's that's just what I'm hearing in that, and I, and I love mm. that. And it's in studies of evangelicalism and its rise. The last, like Kristen Dumas wrote, Jesus and John Wayne, which I recommend to everyone severely. But talking about it too, evangelical movements, not all evangelicals, not, I, I'm not trying to alienate the four evangelicals who watch this. Um, there just, are some. There are some. And I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. But within that, they not only teach your interpretation, one's interpretation, literal on the page is correct, but that mm-hmm. every other interpretation should just be thrown out. Mm, yeah. which makes Ruth uncovering feet super weird. And it makes us miss out on the fact that Joseph, the patriarch was a big old queen, but that's neither <laughs> here. nor there. <laughs> I'm for uh, it. Yes. Yeah. I'm for it. Well, and it, I mean, like the literalism that happened, you know, like it's only literal as far as it affects your privilege. Mm, and exactly mm, right there. That well, was good. That was, is, listen to <laughs> Cheers. Uh, you know, like we skip, it's like, oh, the prophets. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you mean Deborah and Hulda and Miriam? And like, Listen. you know, no, of course that's not what they mean. You know, oh, we, we're talking about writers of the law. Oh, do you mean Deborah? Do you, or is it Hulda? Oh, sorry. I'm going to, well, that's going to be, uh, but you know what I mean? Like that, they, you know, oh, preachers, do you mean Jezebel? Like, no, you don't, because you're not actually contextualizing the written word. You're right. only leaning in to, I take this as the literal word of God as far as it affects who you are individually. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, when, 
And we get the literal thing of it's either yes or it's no, it's up or it's down. It's, mm-hmm. it's black or white or light or dark or anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's the, um, I, I would say we have to unlearn in that same vein, the platonic dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's Paul, if you read, uh, I've read Paul, not you, you can do as you wish, excuse mm-hmm. me. I've read Paul intentionally engaging without the platonic um, dichotomization that we put into Paul mm-hmm. and it's infinitely better if it's like this guy is a radical Jew yes. and, and Jewish thinking as opposed to Hellenistic thinking mm-hmm. um, and that that helps us but we we just we want you know basic instructions before leaving earth what is so what is basic Let, let's yeah <laughs> like there's a lot of complexity when it comes to like sacrifice right there's nothing basic yo, about it um, yo oh okay. I, I I once um did a very small study around the text um um kill the red heifer but save her ashes mm. a very specific type of sacrifice I just I bring that up on, up only because you just said sacrifice oh my god so <laughs> like uh, I mean but the, but the, the, you know there's so much in there the text is so rich yeah. but when we don't understand it yet we move according to it what are we really doing yeah. that. No. Okay. And I'm yeah. I'm taking the opportunity after our conversation with the Umbrella Academy. I'm just writing down these brilliant phrases because, of course, the text is so rich. Why would you waste uh, a really well-made dessert on a child who doesn't have the talent for it? Oh my! So I'm just. I have sure a friend. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna say this real quick. So there's another friend of mine who um he actually shared this. He told me about this later. He shared it with his congregation. I told him that I would never again be a member of a church where my pastor did not have some type of degree in theology or divinity or something to that effect. And he was very taken aback by, you know, we're, we're Pentecostal. This is, (laughs) he said, well, why, why do you say that? Why do you say that? I said, well, I would never let a surgeon, somebody who's just starting out, like you decided you wanted to pick up, you know, you, you wanted to be a surgeon last week even. And and now you want to do surgery on me? Well, no. Why? No. I, I don't get in a car with new drivers. <laughs> I Like it, it's all of that. <laughs> but but we, we are willing to let people who have not studied just practice on us mm-hmm. and journey our souls into a space that is and journey. Um, yeah. Journey our souls into a space that's, uh, that can be really harmful. It doesn't always end yeah. up having to be there, but the risk mm-hmm. is too great right. uh, to, right. to uh, allow that without some sort of map of guidance. Mm-hmm. And again, I will say this. I know people who have done the reading, have done the proper research. They don't necessarily have the degree, but you can tell, you can tell somebody who, okay, received a call and then started doing the necessary work to prove said call, right? And, you know, if I'm a musician, you would not let me just. Mm-mm. <laughs> I, I don't you know what? I'm, I'm, I was a musician who did not practice and I could oh, absolutely work God. with combos and mm-hmm. I could I could I could fake it. But mm-hmm. like I'd go into recitals. I remember I played with a community college jazz band in high school and I had to do bassy. Right. And I got the one o'clock jump thing down, but literally everything else sounds like I was having a seizure trying to play the piano <laughs> because I had to practice it and I didn't. Yeah. 
I mm -hmm. finally had to steal the recording from my dad because I want no evidence of it. Yeah. Stiff. But, but even, okay, even in moments of, in, and I take this with life, even in moments of improvisation, there is a skill. Improvisation is a skill. It is not something you just do by happenstance. Even if you feel like it just came about by happenstance, it did not. You have done this a number of times. So you know now how to move in this. You know how to move with the music. You know how to, when you are preaching, it is the skill of being a preacher that if you are working from a manuscript and your pages fall down, you still know how to keep on going. You don't have to necessarily get the manuscript back up off the ground and just you can say, all right, well, let's just we got to keep moving with this or something may happen in a given moment where you just got to flow with it. And this happens all the time, <laughs> but it is skill that propels. Yeah, I mean, it's the exegetical work of life, right? Like right. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> it's a very Ravenclaw conversation. I love it. This is a very Ravenclaw because it's a, because it's the very nitty gritty. It's the technical. It's not you know as much as we are dreamers, we are also practical thinkers. Right. And so yes. like we take, I would say that one of the things that is lost often in the conversation about Ravenclaw is that very much so we think about Ravenclaws as, as just like readers inter you know like introverted reader like just kind of thinking about you come to us if you need to figure out something but like mm -hmm. you know we don't the doing is taken away from our identity in large part mm -hmm. and so uh for me i'm like no we are you know first of all the the production of knowledge and the gaining of knowledge is an act of doing mm -hmm. um but also you know in that space, we are dreamers and believers and thought makers and that, you know, you can't do that without us. Uh, you know, the, 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 the battle of Hogwarts is not won by one house alone. It's when right. we best collective selves and utilize the best gifts, Slytherin, you know, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor alike, mm -hmm. uh, that we actually can defeat the things that we set out to, whether mm -hmm. it is a, a social ill or a personal one, you have mm -hmm. to surround yourself with who the people doing the work, like, and that, so wisdom in and of itself, as we we're kind of going back to the front part of this conversation, I think wisdom Yes, can be an innate understanding, but I also think it comes with self-awareness and reflection. Yes. And um, which can be a social reflection or an interpersonal reflection um, that kind of continues to build so that collective wisdom is gained. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where I was going with that. I was just like kind of like thinking it just kind of all came back to me. I was like, <laughs> we can't do the things and we have to be dreamers. And also, we also have to know exactly how it's made and right. you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. I always loved uh, a friend of mine, uh, his favorite phrase was always, uh, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, wisdom is not putting it into a fruit salad. Hmm. Uh, because he would then, well, he would then argue there are tomato-based fruit salads. Mm -hmm. There are times when a sweetened cherry tomato is absolutely appropriate with, and he has like, don't get me wrong, I've tried one and it's like balsamic vinegar and everything else. And I'm like, this is not a fruit salad, You're you're pushing it. Wisdom, uh, the application of wisdom is innovation. And I, I think that's where Ravenclaws come in, right? It, it, yeah. it isn't just the ideas. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the participation in it. I want to ask about Sybil Trelawney, if I can, if that's okay. Um, so Professor Trelawney, the astronomy professor, she has that great big prophecy. I'm assuming your favorite, I, I think I remember actually from the promo, your favorite book is Order of the Phoenix, right? Charlie? Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, mm -hmm. because it's the Ravenclaw book. 
And Half-Blood Prince, if you pulled Slytherins, that would be theirs because that's the Slytherin book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hufflepuffs would be Goblet of Fire. My favorite's for Prisoner of Azkaban for what it's worth. So. Okay. Well, okay. then. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm not saying. But that's it because I'm a serious black person. So. We love series. We do. We do. And he was another Ravenclaw who just happened to be a Gryffindor. Exactly. From the Slytherin mm-hmm. Uh, so Trelawney has her one prophecy and she's kind of tucked away in the astronomy tower. Is this pit, out of pity, out of service, out of love, out of devotion, out of protection? It's a complex thing, right? Like the hardest mm-hmm. thing in the entire book, for, not in the entire book. I hate little, little pink lady. What's her name? Um, oh, I, I, I see her. I can't yes. think of her name right now. <laughs> I had, I, I, yeah. What's yeah. her name? Uh, Umbridge. Oh, Umbridge. Oh yes. Umbridge Do- also Dolores. a Ravenclaw who Dor- Dolores. Dolores. Dolores kicks her out and Trelawney says, but this is my home. Yeah. Why why this is a weird question. Forgive me for phrasing it. What why how do we describe Trelawney's place? Because she's full of it in the astronomy, not the astronomy classes, the, uh, the divination classes, like it's a mm-hmm. joke, but is it a joke? Is it, but is it, I was about to say, but yeah. is it a joke? Yeah. Um, so you're saying describe her place. Well, can I, can I rephrase that question? I think I get it. It needs. Uh, what do we do with people who we only see as having one specific gift in the church? Much better, hmm. much, much better. Because she has one really specific gift and it has shaped the, whether or not we want to admit it, it has shaped the entire arc of the book. Mm -hmm. Without Mm -hmm. that one prophecy, who Harry is, is a little wishy-washy, right? Like it could be, it could be be a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and she doesn't have another prophecy that we, that we know of. That we know of. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot that we don't know about her, but so, the elders in our church who have given one thing, but seem to maybe hold us back and, or not even the elders, but people within the church system, what do, what is their role in moving the church forward? So there's subtext there, right? Yeah. So just because we perceive someone as, you know, being this one trick, I forgive the phrase, one trick pony does not mean that they necessarily are. Um, Also, when I think about the Order of the Phoenix, one thing that really resonates for me is we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And I draw that into this concept of African spirituality, which in Christianity, we would say angels, but in African spirituality, we would say the ancestors. And so there are these workings that are always happening that you don't necessarily know about. There are these groupings of people that are working for your good that you don't necessarily know about. And sometimes it is that person in the church who we see publicly do one thing. And they do that one thing publicly, but we have no idea that this is the person who is working and has been working behind the scenes for a long period of time doing something. And so we can't discredit these people. Um, They are still a part of the community. Right. Just because they don't fit our purpose. That that's a big thing, too. Just because they don't fit our purpose does not mean that they don't fit the greater purpose, because it is always about the greater purpose. I think about I think about um, Romans 8 and 28 a whole lot, a whole lot. You know, that whole all things working. 
everything is still working. Every person is still working. Every cog is still working. Every And everybody's not a cog. Everybody does not necessarily move, but there must be a screw in the cog to hold the cog in place, right? And so some people are screws. Some people are cogs. Some people are gears. Some people are belts. Some people are other things, but it's all working. And if we keep that in mind, Nobody gets left behind and everybody is still worthwhile and everybody is still useful, even though that prophecy that you gave was back in 72. And, you know, we've not heard from you since you're still useful to the body because it was that prophecy in 72 that propelled us to the new sanctuary in 2021 or to this new place in God. Right. This, you know, there's this perpetuation. It it keeps on happening. Nothing Nothing is a singular act. Everything snowballs to something else, everything. And we have to keep that in mind as we are, you know, working with our elder (laughs) elders and others. We have to keep in mind that everything is still moving. Everything is still working. I, you know, and I, I, and I only said elders because I honestly think that they get a real bad rap. Uh, I mean, I, mm. We have not done well at value. We don't do well at intergenerational value, like equitable value. So that's a whole other thing. I won't say intergenerational equitable value. I will say that we don't do well bridging the gap between all generations um, because there are, there are spaces in which the elders are the dominant people. And they run over the young people. And then there are spaces in which the young people are the dominant people and they run over everybody else. And then there are spaces in which the middle-aged people are the dominant people and they run over everybody else. The only people who really have no voice most of the time ends up being the children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everybody else, there is no equity, really. Um, I have yet to see a church community where everyone has equal voice. I have yet to see a community period where everyone has equal voice. Um, I'm certain it exists somewhere. I would love to find it. I would love to see it in families. Everyone does not have an equal voice in, in, I mean, in. Well, you know, as we talk about what it means to reopen, right. Churches Mm -hmm. like that, like how many people I know, I know our churches, but like how many, are, what is the conversation around who can and can't get vaccinated right now? Cause children can't get vaccinated. So when you're saying mm-hmm. herd immunity and all the thing, you know, like, Oh, our community is 80% vaccinated. Is your 20% your children? And you're just letting them like into the ethers. Like, right. and I, I'm not trying to point, you know, point fingers, but I think that this is what we do best, is, especially in these kind of conversations is to say like, we can all do better. Mm-hmm. And here's the space in which here's a space that you may not have even thought about, um, you know, that like if you are a a family of two parents and two children, we're, like no matter what, half of that family system cannot be vaccinated and is not vaccinated. True. And so, like, what does that look like? You know, like yeah. as we talk about what does it mean to actually come together and do the work and to be connected to each other? Because mm-hmm. I think your eight and twenty-eight piece, and you know, for us disciples right now, we're doing a lot of work in Romans because that's the text for the virtual gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, is the Romans eight, particularly the thirty-eight and thirty-nine, the nothing mm-hmm. can separate the love of God in Christ Jesus. But if we think of that as the cogs and the screws and all of the thing that mm-hmm. all of that work and all of us working together doesn't separate us from God, but it also doesn't separate us from each other. Each other. And mm-hmm. so, and that's the actual God at work, right? right, is right. The Imago Dei, the God within each is the, right. the, the God that we are actually always connected to. And so if you have 
all, if all the screws are all the children that are unvaccinated, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's where, I don't know. There's that. Yeah. Arthur, you look like you've got some thoughts there, buddy. The only thing I, I literally want to share is just, yes, some people in churches are screws. <laughs> I didn't mean that in the no, way. I, I know. I, some, sometimes brilliance is not intentional, Charles. That's absolutely fine. Um, oh, okay. Yes, thank you. That's that's far more on Trelawney than um, than I thought. Well, we would know, not that Trelawney, but kind of. No, it, it is. Well, because I mean, it, it is. She's mm-hmm. she's not useless. She doesn't, she doesn't have a function, but she's not useless. And Umbridge sees her as useless, and Umbridge is just mean. Well, the thing is, so much hinges upon that, as you all said, so much hinges upon that one mm-hmm. thing. How many things hinge upon this one screw? Mm. Yeah. The, for, okay, so let, let's put this in, in, in church today. Maybe it's not a prophecy. Maybe there is one person who, and, and I, I don't mean to, you know, maybe there is one person in the church who is tithing well and they carry the weight of the ministry, but they don't do anything else. They just come and sit and tie without this one person, there could be no outreach. There could be no programming. There could be. And, and we see this, right? We see churches where a certain percentage of the congregation that seems often, often seems quiet is taking care of the needs of everybody. You know, we see communities like this. And so we can never, you know, we can never just say, okay, hmm, ah, nah, we're all in this. It, it is, I, I feel it is the true representation of the Acts Church, you know, mm-hmm. where they took from what they had and gave to the community. You know, we don't do that no more. Well, and, and generosity is a fruit of the spirit, but we don't talk about it. And it's mm-hmm. a gift of God and we don't talk about it because we right. don't want people to. Uh, it's our lost diadem. <laughs> Oh, mm. ooh, okay. So diet. Okay. okay. Mm. Sorry. I'm excited about that. I don't have to. So. No, go. <laughs> okay. The diadem. Mm-hmm. Is it? Actually, I forgot my question. I'm sorry. Excuse me. This is so embarrassing. No, but I, you know, like what, once a diet, like, okay. So like, what is first, what is a treasure? When does it become a treasure and how mm. long into what we do is that treasure useful? Hmm. What is a treasure? I mean, like, I think, but that's a biblical question too, right? We I store mean, treasures. Yeah, it's, it's, like, where, we, it's where your heart is. Yeah. It's where your heart is. And so there are some treasure we, and we know this, right? There, there are many treasures. Well, Ooh, ooh! Oh, I was about to fall down a rabbit hole. Okay, no, I got to leave that. I got to leave that. (laughs) But there are there are certain treasures, right, that are completely temporal, Hmm. completely, and 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 the focus can never be that. But you know, if if your heart is where your treasure is what then should one's treasure be, right? Mm-hmm. And then how is it used? Do, do, do we use the treasures? Are they, hmm. I mean, I'm deep in my mind right now. Hold on. Ooh. To what degree 
do we use those things that are our treasures and are they really our treasures? Mm. Because we all know what treasures are supposed to be, right? But I'm doing this a lot. Forgive me. I know it's a lot of quotes. I'm sorry, my air quote. Sounds like and, our, our audio, our, our podcast listeners. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm doing the quotation marks a lot. I'm sorry. Um, but um, we all know what the treasure is supposed to be based on what we have been taught or based on being, you know, these upright and moral beings. But we're not always these upright and moral beings. And so oftentimes what is really our treasure is not actual treasure. And so we continue to put those things forward and, and utilize those things as opposed to utilizing the real treasure. Mm-hmm. You're, you're making me think about some things. That's what we do best. Happening. It is. Uh, I do want to be aware of our time and I hate to do that, but because we could go probably forever and get more philosophical and just blow open the mysteries of the universe. Yeah. But we do have a final question. And I think this final question will just be eye opening for all of us. So before you you get to the final question, can I, I just want to raise something. So, um, and I've, I've been thinking about this a bit Um, on the Pottermore site. um, They talk about these schools on other continents. Mm -hmm. And in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, that direct world, I identify as Ravenclaw. There's a school that they talk about on the African continent called Ouagadou. Mm-hmm. And I like to think about that a lot because it delves for me into a portion of Afro fantasy and Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. And this world in which we were untouched by colonialism and untouched by different elements. Um, Rolling on the site talks about how the wizards at Ouagadou don't use wands, which is why they're able to get away with certain things because they're able to just (laughs) quick hand movements and things. And I, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's wandless magic I, is also like incredibly powerful. Like there's there's oh the yeah yeah power. yeah. But I I I like the whole concept, and my whole thought was I've I've had a number of thoughts around that because first being that that we are American, I probably would not have gone to Hogwarts. I would have gone, I can't remember what the um the American Wizarding School was. No, that was it. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Probably would have ended up there, but in my mind, I would have been like, no, because if okay. I came from wizarding family, Transfer. I would have been living in the United States, but I would have been an exchange student over at Ouagadou, where I would have been, I would have been legacy at Ouagadou, <laughs> so like that. I just wanted to raise that because I just, I, it's been on my mind. Well, and I think it's really important that we don't, you know, like no matter what we do, and especially as we seek to deconstruct all the really harmful things that J.K. Rowling has done, especially mm. recently, uh, because she created a world in which was so expansive. And it was really fun to learn about different wizarding worlds and different continents and what the gifts. I mean, and we know in, you know, in book four, we get the Durmstrung and like we, you know, like we know that there are other schools. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily know 
exactly where they all are. And, but we right. know that it exists and like, we are meant to lean into that expansiveness. And yet this creator has just turfed herself to the turfness, like where it's just like, can't, Oh, it, that applies to everything except for gender. Like absolutely, right. absolutely well, not. The American wizarding schools, this is a total digression, but I don't care. The American wizarding schools are not well built. Because you would very much have the puritanical Salem response school. That makes perfect sense. That we would yeah. also have West Africans bringing their traditions, which would then this be, um, oh, God, what is the word? Syn- syncretism. Um, that would blend in Caribbean and uh, indigenous mm-hmm. magics, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'd have different schools not based on uh, race, but certainly informed by them. Right. Because this right. land is informed by race. Yes. And therefore, what would it mean if you were sorted into the, you know, eight different schools, but if you were some Anglo from Massachusetts and they're like, oh, no, you're going to Durango, which is out in New Mexico. And that's because you're most tied to this like branch. Of, uh, uh, my friend Aaron, who made me this wand. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, has this like rant. I, I will never forget it as long as I live. The smell of menthol cigarettes and magic just popping off. Okay. We have a final question. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. And our final question is as always, and Charles, you will get to answer first, but what biblical character, theme, book, story are you most reminded of as a Ravenclaw in Harry Potter? This is difficult for me. Like, it's really interesting. So as a Ravenclaw, I don't have an answer. The overall series, I would I would say Harry was either Job or Joseph. Ooh, say more. He goes through all of these things. Like just so much. And at the beginning of this journey, he has no idea what's going on. And then he's learning a bit more on the way, learning a bit more on the way. And then at the end, there is this idea, not so much of recompense, but of peace. And so, yeah, that that's just, it just, it, it, it follows in my mind just because he, he has gone through all of these battles all of the like just you know made we've we've read the books we we watched the movies he goes through all of this journey most of which he does not understand he does not understand why this is happening and then as he gets these little nuggets of information there is this anger that comes up he he's trying to make sense of it and there's this whole thing tell me why this is happening tell me what's going on until he recognizes that okay i must make this ultimate sacrifice now we can say the ultimate sacrifice is very christ-like okay but that's the easy that's the that's that's the easy one to go to i don't i'm not immediately gonna go there i'm just gonna say he goes through so much mentally and physically and and the losses and It's not really recompense, but there is peace at the end of the story. And so when we look at the Job narrative, there is there there's both recompense and, you know, peace and abundance, whatever. Um, Joseph, there is peace at the end of the story. And so, you know, I just this is just my thought. It, it, uh, 
a whole lot of hell. Peace. I love it. I love it. Mm. Arthur, you want to go or you want me to go? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go for the apocryphal story of Judith. Because mm. not only was she the wise one that they turned to, and it's from knowledge and experience that she leads them out, but literally as she decides to take off the sackcloth of mourning, she, before she goes to seduce a general who she'll behead after she gets him drunk in a few weeks, which is an awesome plan and totally slither claw. Uh, but as she takes a bath in the text, um, she takes a bath and she slicks back her hair and she puts on a tiara. And I just was, I, I thought of that as we brought up the diadem that mm-hmm. Judith, yeah, Judith is my Ravenclaw pick. that. I went with a raven, like a character that I thought was Ravenclaw um, this week. And so I'm going to go with uh, Hulda as Ravenclaw, as a keeper of the knowledge, those who the Israelites go to, to, to seek wisdom, seek God's, you know, word through the text, someone who is well-learned, well-versed uh, in both what was and what should be, um, and, and what is, obviously, um, and as an interpreter of community, um, and that I think that Ravenclaws would fancy themselves interpreters of communities, um, especially with the amount that we of knowledge and wisdom that we seek to gain and posture ourselves within the different spaces that we occupy. So, I love it. And we uh, we're just about out of time, but we have a little surprise for you. Uh, your birthday is tomorrow, and we I wanted brought. to give you a birthday toast. So I brought oh, thank sparkling you. <laughs> uh, cherry juice. Earlier, so. oh, thank you. I so will Charles, raise my tea. Cheers to you, friend. Cheers. Uh, Happy you. birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you. Salud. Salud. Thank you for sharing your birthday week and your wisdom and your love with us, and we are so grateful. Thank you both for having me. It is always a joy to be here. It is always a joy to be here. Well, we hope you'll come back, obviously, again. So. Oh, I will. I will. Arthur, you want to throw up our Jeff One route? Yes, <laughs> I do. I want to stop like grimacing from the world's sweetest sparkling juice. Oh, it's really good. Please be our sponsor. Um, <laughs> give me one moment. I got to pull it up like a pro here. Well, as everyone knows, we are uh, our lead sponsor is Jeff Wenro of Jeff Wenro Designs, making uh, 15 years of making ordinary time extraordinary. And it is extraordinary time because we are celebrating Charles's birthday. Um, it is. But make sure, in in honor of Charles's birthday, go to Jeff Wenro at J E F F W U N R O W dot com. Uh, use the code 2 on 1 at checkout to get yourself uh, 15% off your entire stole order. Absolutely. And Charles, it is a pleasure. I love that you made your own Ravenclaw sweater for a variety of reasons uh this has been two on one we will be back next week with another guest and another topic and until then we will see you later thank you everybody bye everyone